and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. And I'm Josh. And Josh is going to be leading the episode today. And I don't know what it, what it, um, what the topic is because I asked him to surprise me. So you'll find out if I'm interested on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> First hand experience if I can give a shit. Um, if you can hear some noise in the background, this week it's Loki. Um, he's decided to play with his toy fish. And he cries as well. When yeah, he sounds like he's crying, like but he's not. He's just running around smacking a fish about. <laughs> so if you can hear anything, that's what you can hear. This week's episode is going to be based on our namesakes. We're going to be talking about cemeteries this week. Oh, I love so, a cemetery. Of course you do. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> Um, cemeteries as we know them didn't actually come into existence until around the 1800s, following on from the overcrowding of urban churchyards due to the unsanitary living conditions of the time and scientific discoveries that were yet to happen, many local governments took it upon themselves to designate areas to become vast gardens of the dead. Architects and designers were drafted to make them orderly yet peaceful places to lay our loved ones. In many older cemeteries, there is a stark resemblance to the design of Victorian parkland, including lodges, gatehouses and monuments. Families of the deceased would also contribute to the design by installing grand headstones, some of them more like works of art, to honour their departed. So, in a churchyard, they had dead bodies before graveyards were made? Yeah. Okay, so there's always been something, really. Well, yeah, we, there's always been ways to honour the dead. But yeah, you see loads of old churches. We, we went to one in Pendle. There's one in Mellon. So what about these purportedly peaceful places invoke dread or, and fear into most? Is it the fact that we're walking around large open spaces in the knowledge that remains of humans are under the ground? Are we fearful that although the remains are under the ground, that their spirits are above it and we could encounter something visiting from the afterlife? What about you? Do you find... Cemeteries scary? Do you find anything about them unsettling? No. Well, I like a cemetery. I think that I think they're nice looking. Like I like looking at the gravestones and seeing the year people died. Not in a morbid way. Just like seeing how long those gravestones lasted. And do you ever try and match your birthday? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know you do. Yeah, but... <laughs> I think there's one in this a cemetery across from us. I, yeah. I found one so far. I don't go looking for them on a routine basis. That it's just what I came across when I've been there. And then we found the witches one in, in um, Pendle, and we found a lot of their ancestors because we kept finding it, their surname. Hmm. Um, I don't hmm. think they're haunted though, because why would you haunt where you, where your body is? You didn't die there. Maybe you did, but I think people haunt like the loved ones or like a place they were routinely. Yeah, but a weird thing happens when you were in a graveyard, didn't it? I was seeing a psychic at the time and I was praying to get through to your nan, but oh, you yeah. went to visit your nan. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, Emma mentioned she went to see a psychic. At the time, it was. I dropped her off at the psychic reading but didn't go in with her. But I went to the cemetery where my nan's buried to visit the grave. Yeah. So I went there and I was there for a while. I I can't say how long, I don't know how long it was. I think it was 45 minutes. Yeah, but I wasn't stood at the grave for 45 minutes. It must have been 10, 15, 20 maybe tops. But I was there for a a fair while. And then as I was walking back through the cemetery, 
I mentioned it to yourself. The one of the trees that was just like sort of hanging. It was a low low down tree, and it was quite a windless day. But the branches were moving yeah. quite softly. But I didn't notice any like other wind. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm just picking up on that. I'm just making something of it. But then when Emma went to the psychic, she got through to loads of family members, but not Minan. I got this. She said an old lady was gonna come through, but then she just suddenly vanished. So I feel like you got to the cemetery, and she was like, oh. I need to speak to him. Yeah, rather than she was with me. Yeah. Sorry. But I do think that happens. I do think if you go visit someone, they might go see you. Like, they'll probably stand them with you because you're talking to them, aren't you? Well, I talk to a lot of people. When I, when I go visit a family member, I talk to them at their graveyard. So I feel like that kind of, like, wakes them up. Not wakes them up, but, like, you know, gets them, like, summons them. Yeah. So I, I don't mean, think they're haunted. Because you but talk, but not out loud. I might talk about that. <laughs> That's because you don't have an inside voice. <laughs> I don't think they're haunted, but I think that they probably do visit them, like you visit them. But then I do think that cemeteries are more for the living, like the more somewhere that you can go and mourn so and deal with your feelings. Do you think rather than being a place that people find scary, they were designed to actually be a place, or a peaceful place where people can go to remember? That's why I think they started off as, but now because, like you said, there's remains of humans there. I think people just see like the connotations of human remains and think, "Oh God, this is going to be haunted." Like we've worked the body up, we've put the body somewhere else. Yeah, I think anything related to death is always going to have a an element of mystery about it yeah. and an element of the paranormal. We yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, well, to to explore what has instilled cemeteries into our folklore as scary places, we have Anne three stories. Anne three? No, that's just what I've typed. <laughs> we have three stories to tell. So story number one is... No, I, I say this wrong, but I'm going to. Great Friars Poltergeist. Now, Friars is spelled F-R-A-I-E-R-S. Yeah, I would say, say Grey Friars. This, this or Fairers, maybe? Grey Fairers, Grey Friars. Let us know. <laughs> Starting in Edinburgh, Scotland, the tale of a former Lord Advocate who gained a reputation for the violent stamp of justice he placed on a feuding country. Tackling yeah. the turbulent times... Sir George Mackenzie is widely regarded as having, as have been responsible for the world's first concentration camp, in which he imprisoned covenanters, those believing Jesus to be the one true head of the church. This was back in 1679. He all but left them there to rot, feeding only the bare necessities and leaving the injured and diseased to go untreated. The prison was set up in part of Greyfriars Kirkyard, which, in some sort of twisted irony, is where Sir George Bloody Mackenzie would later be laid to rest when he came to pass in 1691. Josh raised his fingers when he said oh, yeah. Bloody then, by the way. Yeah, Bloody is like his uh, <laughs> nickname. Like Bloody Mary. Sir George Mackenzie. <laughs> Following the reign of tyranny during life, it was probably the wish of many that this would truly be the end of Bloody Mackenzie, but arguably this was only the beginning of his otherworldly actions. It is reported that the discovery of Mackenzie's actions from the afterlife was around the late 1700s. A homeless man who was well known by the local police 
was looking for some respite from the unhospitable Edinburgh climate and to also keep out of sight from those enforcing the law. Entering the mausoleum and staying there for a number of months, the man was finally found by the police and charged for petty crimes. Upon his capture, he told the police of how each night the coffin within the crypt would move, rocking violently and on occasion a hollow scraping could be heard from the underside of the lid, almost like our theme song. (laughs) Almost as if the occupant was trying to send a message to those there still present. More recently in 2004, two teens were found having broke into the resting place of Mackenzie, using a small knife They are rumoured to have cut off the corpse's head and began to kick it around. What the hell? There is also an urban legend that a pair of, obviously quite disturbed youths, used a skull to drink wine in the small hours of the night. That's like the vampire cracker, but he probably drank blood. It would appear that when disturbed, Mackenzie gets to work, subjecting his unwitting guests to a range of experiences. From the milder of treatments such as feeling hot and cold spots around the grounds of the mausoleum, through to a number of people even collapsing as they, they run like tours. Oh yeah. So yeah. The, uh, like the haunted Liverpool, not haunted, Shiverpool tours and that type of thing. So they collapsed during the tour? Yeah, yeah. when they visited the grounds. Right. Okay. It is even said that Mackenzie will physically attack those who dare to visit the site, with many experiencing a push in the back or a pull of their hair. As the site is many hundreds of years old and becomes somewhat of a macabre tourist attraction, like I just said, it may be argued that the tour operators are staring up the pot a bit, trying to make it a bit more interesting for those looking to go on the tour. It's like a money grabbing thing really, isn't it? Yeah, I can't can't blame everything paranormal on money grabbing though, unfortunately. Or it could be a trick of the mind, the visitors are experiencing these symptoms, um, that they're expecting it so much in their mind and they don't want to be disappointed, like a sort yeah. of um, placebo effect. Yeah. But yet the stories of experiences do keep mounting up. From the historic urban legends through to the brief encounters of tourists, the only definite is that the persona of the poltergeist certainly matches that of the person that they were in life. Story number one. So I don't really think he's a poltergeist though, you know. I just think he's a woman scorned and there was a man, so he's a man scorned. But why was he scorned? Because he was the Lord Advocate, which she, he was in a quite high position in life and he sounded like a bit of a cunt. Wait, I thought they was the one who they took the head off. He, they took the head off when he was dead, dead for hundreds of years. That was in 2004, he died in the 1600s. Yeah, but they still desecrated his body. Yeah, but he was being a bit of a bastard beforehand. Maybe he just likes being a bastard. And it like, sounds that way. But the, a lot of people say that their hair gets pulled and they feel hot and cold. It might just be the air conditions not in that place. It's and, outside. Oh, yeah. It's a graveyard. <laughs> or maybe, I don't know, the, the hair gets pulled because it's got caught on the bag or something. Yeah. It, it, that does seem to be a bit of a, a running theme of paranormal yeah. activities. Fair enough, yeah. But so we, you're not too convinced by that one? No, I don't think it's nice what they've done to his head, well, his dead, dead head, but I don't think, I don't think he's haunting. But what about the apparent homeless man who lived in there for a few months while he was escaping the police? And apparently the coffin that Bloody Mackenzie yeah. was buried in, or not buried in, sorry, he was inside the mausoleum or the crypt, kept moving and you could hear scratching from the inside. Yeah, but if that man's homeless 
he might be like self-soothing with like alcohol or drugs. True. Especially, but not, not to be like nasty. This, this was stop. the seventeen hundreds. Uh, but in the 1700s, they used to give you like absinthe and stuff like that, didn't they? If you if you had a toothache, not absinthe. What's that one with? Um, opium. Yeah, opium. I don't know. I I feel like he he might have been scratching, but I don't know. I just don't think he'd he'd haunt where you, your body is. Not too good. Well, that that that's a bigger picture sort of theory theory hypothesis. Yeah, we'll never find. Let's leave that to the end. <laughs> So, this one is the Clown of Flaybrick Cemetery. Now, this one is, uh, we're heading a bit close to home. We are in Birkenhead for this one. Ugh. Some <laughs> might say the wrong size. Of the river, <laughs> anyway. We're only joking. No, we're not. <laughs> the account begins with S.W. Sparks and his navigator, Charles Fry, setting off in a Percival Vega Gull aircraft in the International Open Race from London to the Isle of Man. That, that's, I read that sentence, like I was really getting to a punchline there. It, it <laughs> the aircraft fits the stereotype to a T. It's from the 20... This is dated the 29th of May, 1937, when they set off. Okay. So, if you imagine a plane... I have Googled what the plane looks like. Imagine a plane from the 1930s. Yeah. It looks like that. Okay. You know, the canopy you, you pull it back, you yeah. that type of thing. So it's a crisp, crisp Saturday morning, and the plane is like those romanticised by Hollywood films. A huge propeller on the front, its tail low to the ground, pretty much dragging on the floor, all but for a single small wheel, propping it up, and a sliding glass canopy that gains access to the cockpit. Both men were of a military background and highly skilled in aviation honing their skill through service in the First World War and through many entries to competitions similar to this one. Shortly following the start of the race, Sparks and Fry began to run into mechanical issues just after taking off. This led to the engine stalling and with no other choice, the plane had to come down. Over the residential area of Feltham, not far from Heathrow Airport in London, the aircraft began to bank right until it became uncontrollable for Sparks and tragically it crashed into the roof of a house where numerous people were injured and sadly both airmen and one woman were killed in the incident. Mm. Charles Fry, originally from Wallasey in the northwest of England, was transported back there to be laid to rest in his family plot at Flaybrook Cemetery. As the ceremony got underway, the mourners began to surround the pre-dug grave. A collective gasp was heard as eyes began to peer down into the hole and came upon an exposed coffin that was already buried there. It was Fry's uncle. While a relative, this was not the intended burial site for Charles Fry. The gravediggers were quickly alerted to their mistake. As the congregation hovered around the cemetery, waiting for the correct grave to be exhumed, a faint laughter was being picked up by a few of the guests. As it grew louder, more and more people began to look among their peers, wondering who could be laughing at a time such as this. Emma. Emma can be laughing at a time (laughs) such as this. Filtering out from the vast sea of headstones and trees emerged the sight that I don't think anybody would be expecting to witness in a graveyard. It was a woman, but she was dressed like a clown. What? The outfit she fashioned was outdated, but most certainly a clown. The laughter became louder and more hysterical. 
almost mocking the situation that had unfolded at Charles Fry's funeral. The strange woman began approaching the crowd, slowly edging forward in fits of laughter at this point, mimicking the grave diggers and mourners, making a sinister joke of what was happening. Angered at the troublemaker, a number of the guests began to approach her, ready to let her know in no uncertain terms that she was very unwelcome and her actions unappreciated. As they got closer though, the, the clown could continue to be heard, yet not seen. So they were moving forward through the graveyard to where the laughter was coming from or where they thought they'd hear it coming from, but then they couldn't find her, like she was sort of playing hide and seek with them. What the fuck? She would appear in one area, obtain the attention of the growing mob and simply vanish again. The movements of the clown were difficult to explain, but the haze of anger that enthralled the morning attendees allowed the mystery to pass them by without question. However, the two gravediggers also witnessed the event. Varying in age by about 20 or 30 years, the young digger was trembling, barely able to hold on to his shovel. The mystery and sinister nature of the clown's actions had not escaped his attention. The older digger, on the other hand, was somewhat calmer. He explained that this wasn't the first time the clown had been, the clown had been seen. In fact, he had personally seen her back in 1910 some 27 years prior. It was not the first, nor was it the last time the spectacle clown was seen in Flaybrick Cemetery. A further sighting was reported in in the 1990s, some 80 years following the first sighting by the gravedigger. Teenagers being teenagers decided to scale the walls to the cemetery late one winter's evening, likely in a bid to show each other how brave they were. As the night wore on, and the novelty of the quiet cemetery began to fade, one of the groups suggested a midnight game of hide-and-seek that would liven things up. With a newfound energy, one boy, around 15 years old, turned to a barren tree, put his hands over his eyes and began counting. As the numbers were being melodically chanted by the boy, the rest of the group dispersed into the darkness, looking for the best hiding space. Being quite a substantial cemetery, the adolescents found their spaces and settled in for what was expected to be quite a while before the hunter found them. Crouched behind a large marble headstone, one girl risked her anonymity to poke her head just above the stone to see whether or not her position was at risk. Around 10 minutes had passed and the girl had not heard or seen any sign of her hunters. Her back against the cold marble, she let out a sigh. Again, the novelty was wearing thin and the cold air was setting in and she began to feel it in her bones. The silence was then disturbed. The girl's adrenaline began to pump as a rustling of fallen leaves could be heard in the near distance. Likely somebody was moving but not quite picking up their feet properly. She shuffled herself in an attempt to find a position that was more comfortable but in an attempt to remain unseen. Curiosity, however, got the better of her. She leant to her side twisted to look behind the headstone. There was a figure not too far away, but far enough to be undistinguishable. They were dressed in white, which didn't concern the girl as a few of the people she came with had white coats, so it could be one of them. Plus, who else would be in the graveyard this late? The shuffling of grass and leaves grew closer. The girl's adrenaline was slowly beginning to be replaced by dread and fear. She dared to pop her head around the stone one more time, in a more hesitant manner. What she witnessed shocked her to the core, planting her in the spot as solidly as the headstone she used for cover. 
it was a clown. Dressed in old-fashioned silk costume with large buttons that seemed to illuminate in the bright moonlight. Frozen in place, the girl sensed the presence of the clown had arrived. The night suddenly grew darker. The clown was blocking up what little light was being provided by the moon. Standing over the headstone in a laboured voice, the clown demanded the girl, Get away from my grave. With this, fight or flight mode kicked in for the teenager. She attempted to make a run for it, getting all of around 10 yards before catching her foot on a low-lying headstone which hence her hurtling to the floor. They do that in every horror film. Laying down and dazed, the girl once again felt the sinister presence approach. This time no demands were given, but an icy touch was felt on both shoulders, which slowly made its way to the girl's throat. The clown was attempting to strangle the girl, adding another resident to Flybrick Cemetery. Luckily, through the struggling, the girl managed to wriggle three from the clown's grasp and again made a break for it, this time watching her step and finding her way back to a path. The girl did not stop, even when she came across her group of friends, who, in seeing the girl's terror, decided they were not going to find out what she was running from. Unsurprisingly, once the group reached the point of entry to the cemetery, they vaulted the wall and paused briefly to take a head count ensuring nobody was left behind. Peering back into the cemetery as they walked away, the winter's night allowed for one hauntingly calm sight, as nothing could be seen but headstones and gently swaying trees. Do you know what I've got to say? Why are them kids clowning around in a graveyard at night? <laughs> so, what I've... That, that clown... I'm gave... just filling out your P45 for this podcast. <laughs> that clown gave me it vibes. But why is a clown? You know when you first said that the fellow was like there was laughter, I thought it was like gonna be the uncle laughing and saying like, haha, you've done this wrong, you're in the wrong grave. That's what I thought it was, that's why I laughed. Yeah. But then a clown, I just I guess you can get clown ghost, but why is she on the grave? But then again, if you're a clown, if you're not like a murderous clown like Pennywise you do want to make people laugh, don't you? So, mm. she was murderous with that teenager, but at that funeral, she might have just been giving them like a bit of like, what she thought, amusement, because there was a mistake, but then she made them angry. But I just don't, I don't get why she's a clown. Well, one addition to that story, I don't think it's, it, it's the same story, but a very, very similar story of a clown in a graveyard. I can't remember where I read it, but the gist of it was, uh, I haven't made any notes, so this is pretty much from memory, mm-hmm. that people that often walk around graveyards, they walk the dogs, they go running. Yeah. When I went to Anfield Cemetery that other week, there was a guy cycling around it because it's quite big. Yeah. During some nights, generally wintry nights, as we're in now in the end of November, yeah. people were coming across this clown that was hanging around the, the cemetery. So basically, it'd be seen from a distance, or it'd sort of like pop up where you'd be walking around, you'd sort of, as you do, you're scanning the area, yeah. and it'd sort of, it seemed to appear from nowhere. It would be moping about as if it was sad or depressed, it, it, something was wrong with this clown. This is, this is always not a clown. It's not a clown. But it's still relevant. <laughs> basically, it was a woman. Sit, that would be sitting around and 
she'd sort of be sat on headstones and she'd be moping, but she'd always be seen in the same sort of area of this one graveyard. Yeah. Sometimes, I don't know what would cause it or what was like the sort of trigger for the ghost or this woman. Yeah. But she'd have like a knife and she seemed threatening to people walking by. Because, yeah. It was part of the story, it was rumoured that if you got close enough, you could see that the attributes of this woman were quite masculine. So essentially what had happened is, and why they were carrying a knife, is it was a man who was dressing as a woman. Yeah. But must have been of the time that they were alive. It wasn't accepted by the parents. They must have been ridiculed for it and just cast aside from society. And they took their own life. That's why they have a knife. That's why they're so angry. And I don't know why, like you say, I don't know why they were haunting the cemetery. I guess you you could haunt the cemetery because, but I just don't know. Like if I passed away, which was it won't be for a long time, I would not haunt where my body is. I'd be haunt, I'd be looking at my family members and exploring if I could. I wouldn't be like staying where I'm that where my dead body is, unless yeah. she's stuck. Unless she's stuck to it, maybe. Potentially. But I just don't get what. Maybe that's where even where the most emotionally traumatic time of their life is. So say, for example, that person took their own life and then thought, well, now that my life's ended, I will be mourned, I will be missed, I will be hopefully yeah. accepted by family. What if the family didn't turn up or what if the family went to the grave or went to the ceremony and still ridiculed? So that, maybe that was yeah. like the point of their most traumatic and that's, that's really, why they're that's there. That's really clever. That's what I'm here for. Where's this clown came from? Did she die in clown makeup or...? Well, nobody knows and nobody knows if it's actually like a a person who was there or whether it's, you know, it's it's one of them Scooby-Doo ones that doesn't really have an answer. So she she might not be a ghost, she might just be a clown. But, yes, but... The reason I went from the earliest 1930s story yeah. right through to the you know, 90s mm-hmm. was to show the time discrepancy. So obviously a human... It wouldn't live that long. Even if they did, they're probably not going to be running around 70 years later. Yeah. Especially considering the gravedigger had saw her in 1910. Oh, so that gotcha. would mean they'd be to be an adult in 1910 or to be an adult size, so say 15, you're going to be 95 years old. Or eighty, yeah, ninety-five years old. Come nineteen ninety. Yeah, and so can if it's they said it in the nineties, the it film came out in like the eighties, didn't it? So could it not have took? I'm just looking at the it book on our bookshelf. That's why I'm like prejudiced. Taking false inspiration. Yeah. It's, there isn't really an answer, but I've got one more story anyway. Okay, I've just that can't wrecked me yet. We'll discuss it afterwards. <laughs> one more story called Old Burying Point. So, home to the remains of around 347 people, Old Burying Point is one of the most infamous cemeteries located in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, I want to go there. The last burial in the cemetery is believed to be in the early 1700s, and most of its notoriety stems from its relation to the Salem Witch Trials. Among those residents is John Hathorne, one of the judges who inflicted so much cruelty to those deemed to be witches. There is also stones dedicated to those buried without a name, either in the graveyard or elsewhere. 
These are likely to be victims of the witch trials, as at the time it was both unlawful and presumed unlucky to give a witch a proper burial, or in fact even touch the body of a witch. Given the vast history of old burying points, it is no surprise that those visiting there today come across the occasional paranormal experience. Many claim to have encountered the Lady in White, believed to be the ghost of Mary Corey, a young wife who died in 1684. Despite the amount of tourism that Old Burying Point facilitates, there is very little in the way of pictorial evidence of this apparition, as it is claimed that whenever the semi-transparent figure is seen, it very quickly turns into floating orbs before disappearing from view completely. Giles Corrie, husband of the mentioned Mary Corrie, was later found guilty during the witch trials and sentenced to death. His body also rested at Old Burying Point. Aside from this, Many have also claimed to see the apparition of a male torso rising from the ground. This has purportedly been confirmed by numerous parties, even those breaking into the cemetery during the small hours of the night. The tale goes that the body, body's head begins to rise first, followed by its torso, generally how that works, <laughs> in the sort of motion you would do if you would sit up from a lying down position. A sit up. The figure is said to be wearing an old-fashioned suit and tie, fitting for the time in which he would have been buried. Some claim that this may be the spirit of John Hathorne, the judge from the infamous witch trials mentioned earlier. I mean, it would make sense. Somebody inflicted so much evil and unrest into the world is punished by not being able, not being able to rest in peace. There are also stories of some apparitions venturing out of the grounds of Old Burying Point and being spotted in some local restaurants. <laughs> One thing that is certainly worth noting is that location is a huge tourist attraction, due to not only being in one of the oldest cemeteries in the United States, but also its affiliation with Salem Witch Trials. I guess everyone has a different susceptibility to the paranormal, and will experience different things in places where people don't experience anything. So, my theory on that one, where at the very end I was just saying, it, the, the scene in local uh, restaurants and stuff. Mm-hmm. My theory would be that the cemetery used to be bigger than what it is. But then I also touched on what I said before. Maybe it was just exploring, like I, I said I would do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the cemetery was probably bigger, or it was a certain, certain something else that they built it on, isn't it? Mm. So I included that last one because I know you like Salem so much. Yeah. Um, but I do have three theories. Go on. So, theory number one. Graveyards themselves aren't automatically haunted. It's the people who get buried there that make them haunted. So, some argue that it's the events after the deaths that spark the hauntings of graveyards, rather than what has happened in the lifetime of the person that makes them haunt a graveyard. So, these events could be disturbed grave, not buried properly, uh, wishes not followed, yeah. things like that. So, what, think, what what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Like the man, his head in story number two, his head got took off. Sorry. You know the the ghost in Ed- is it in Edinburgh? That's the, yeah, it's story number one. Story number one, yeah. Um, his head got took off. A bloody Mackenzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So hundreds of years later, when the children or so the he, teens went in. Yeah. So I think that like woke him up. And he just thought, fuck it, I'm going to annoy people. 
But yeah, that theory would also make sense to the area going on. So there was the homeless person that went in there yeah. and sort of maybe wasn't doing anything bad, but was in his place of rest. Yeah. So that could have led to a bit of activity. And then obviously you get the tours going through there all the time. That might lead to activity because he's not in peace. He's not alone. Yeah, he's not. yeah. But then again, he is in the middle of Edinburgh. So what do you want? Then the one, the, what was it, the clown one was the second one, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I just, she mightn't like the people are playing if she's a goose because she'll get off my grave. She mightn't like the people that are um, like playing hide and seek and stuff using her grave. But then. It's quite ironic because she was playing hide and seek. Yeah, and she was a clown. I do think that happens though. I do think like even like when you're decorating or something in an old house, I think if you if you move something, you, you like awaken the spirit. Say if you get rid of like the chest of drawers that's been there for God knows how long, I do think that you you do like touch on it because. So you think spirits get angry when you mess with their feng shui? Yeah. Okay. And, and like that's what like so if you're moving their bodies like disrespecting them as well, and if you don't follow the wishes that they wanted you to follow, say like they wanted to be buried in a certain colour or whatever, I do think that they probably do haunt it, but. I don't know what they get out of it because they're not getting... Well, when I mentioned the wishes not being followed, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the burial ceremony. I mean, like, say, for example, they left a will. Yeah, yeah. And they had an estate that needed dividing out and and given to people. But it wasn't done in in accordance with what they wanted. Things things of that nature. But why don't they haunt the estate then? That's what I would do. Or the person who's in the No, when I say estate, I just mean, like, the group of belongings... Um, not like a, an actual estate that they well, lived in. Well, I would haunt the person that didn't follow the wishes rather than the graveyard because it must get pretty boring. Maybe you don't get a choice. Yeah, maybe then you just stuck to it. Yeah, maybe the spirit hadn't passed on from where they were buried. So the spirit was still with the body and then when they were buried, then they were waiting to pass on Yeah. the thing that sparked their spirit to be angered. Because they moved about, like... Not yeah. moving the body. They, so they got buried. The spirit's still with the body. Yeah. For example, the thing that has sparked the spirit to be angered. So the grave was disturbed. The estate wasn't divided out properly. Whatever it might be, mm-hmm. happens while the spirit is still with the body and is waiting to move on. Yeah. And that may be why the spirit is in the graveyard. Yeah, true. Because the body might still be warm when it's getting buried, mate. You know, so it might still be there. Yeah. Maybe. So, theory number two is it's not the place. It's human beings' natural fear of the unknown that causes us to associate cemeteries with being scary and haunted. So, for example, we place our dead there, but that's where our knowledge of life and afterlife ends. We don't know what comes next, so we automatically assume the worst and sort of go to this fight-or-flight mode. Yeah. Do you think think that's probably the most, like, not real, but, like, the most common feet, like... Plausible. Yeah. I don't think graveyards are haunted. I don't think they're scary. Like, at the one opposite ours, I like walking around that. I think it's nice. Hmm. I wouldn't walk around it in the dark, but not because of the ghosts. It's just about a people, like, humans. Yeah, well, that one can get accessed from... From the other roads. Yeah, you can sort of... Not break into it, because it's... You can an... climb the fence if yeah. you wanted to. No, but from like the track that runs behind it. Oh yeah, there's like a walk, right? Walk. Yeah, and so there isn't like a fence between it. it. They, 
the walkway's raised up, yeah. but you can just sort of walk down into the graveyard. Yeah. It isn't an official path, but you can do it. Yeah, and I've seen, like, empty bottles of alcohol and stuff in there, so I know people probably do go in there, like teenagers maybe. Yeah, well, I've seen loads of that, especially during summer. Yeah, but I wouldn't go in there when it's dark because of people and because I'm a female. I'm not being like, oh, feminism, but men maybe there, or not just men, it could be women too, like, harden to get you, and especially knives and stuff. They just, I don't... But that I wouldn't go anywhere dark on my own at night, really, in this city. So I, I'm not saying it's because of ghosts. Mm. I'm just don't trust It's people. a different conversation. Yeah. Okay, I get that. But you're quite in agreement with theory number two that it's us. Yeah. That because we don't understand it, that's why we associate it with being haunted. Yeah, and I think horror films um, have a lot to say for that, like, with, I can't think, like on, on Buffy, she'll go around, that's not a horror film, but she goes around the cemetery at night and then vampires are there. Like, I just think films stereotype graveyards and. Yeah, so the media hasn't helped. Yeah. Okay. But I think they're nice places. They look nice in the daylight with no people around, according to women. So or if you. Go on. In the dark, if you're with someone who you feel safe with and you have clothing with light. With like reflective on, that would be. And body armor. Yeah. And a personal protection unit. And pepper spray. <laughs> and pepper spray, of course. <laughs> so, third and final theory. A lot of graveyard hauntings refer to story number one and three. Circle around cemeteries that are used in tours and to make money. It yeah. wouldn't be an episode of Across the Cemetery without me referring to money making. Yeah. There have been some sort of strange goings on, but they've been blown out of proportion and the herd mentality has created the stories that are taken as truth. Yeah, so I think if you're gonna walk I think if you're gonna walk around being told a ghost story, you're gonna f- expect a, you you're gonna see I'm doing like the bunny ear things. You're gonna see Quotation marks. Yeah, you're gonna see or hear a ghost story, whatever. Because you're going into that thinking, oh my god, I'm going to be so scared, it's going to be so haunted, I'm going to hear all these stories. And then the actors or the tour guides say it in such a way that gives you suspense. Mm. So, like, a tree could, like, whisper, or someone could, like, touch your arm by mistake, and you're like, oh my god, it's, it's the person in the story. So, I think if you go into a place with a story, I mean, if you go into a place with, like, this purpose in your mind, you want. You wanna, you wanna be scared, or you wanna look at ghosts. Yeah. You're gonna, you're open to that, so you're gonna interpret other things differently. Say like when we hear like a floor creak, we'll just be like, oh, it's the house settling. But if we've just watched a horror film, we're like, oh god, it's a ho- it, it's a ghost. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I think. Just on that note, actually, this morning it, it did not even relate to the cemetery, but when I'm going upstairs. To, in the morning, I go upstairs and I'll read before because I get up earlier than I need to to read before <laughs> I go to work. I get up one hour before. <laughs> no, you don't. You get up ten seconds before you need to get no, up. No, I don't. Half an hour. Anyway, side the point. So I come downstairs, I feed the cats, I make myself a coffee and get some cereal or toast or whatever, and then I go upstairs to the spare bedroom where I can turn the lights on and read. But in the morning, in my mind. 
I, did, I don't know where this just came I think, oh yeah, because you just said when we watched the horror film. Yeah. But you know that theory, way of thinking, where when you can't see what's behind you, you walk on the stage, you think someone's following you. Yeah. I must get really brave in the morning because every morning what I think now is because I've got my hands full. <laughs> if anything gets me, I'm going to turn around and throw me coffee at it. <laughs> what if it's a ghost? You can't burn a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> just ruin the carpet on the stairs and stuff. I'd kill you. I'll be the one cleaning it. No. I was going to say something. Oh, before, actually, I texted you saying, are you home? Because this isn't sanitaries either. But because I heard footsteps downstairs, but I think that was just the cat playing. But I think it might be next door because they just yeah. they started running the Olympics in there, <laughs> hammer throwing and banging against the walls whenever they feel like it. So anyway, Josh is getting his red cross in the post for giving. Um, it's Victoria's cross. Red cross getting, is the charity one. He's getting his Victoria cross because he feeds the cats <laughs> and then he makes the coffee, <laughs> makes cereal, all before Emma wakes up. So I also read chapters of books before Emma wakes up. Do a day's work for when I wake up. Go get your beauty sleeping, haven't you, girls? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you walk, you, you just presented too much opportunity. Just as an added sort of extra bit, again, just off memory, it just sprang to mind while we're talking we're on a cemeteries episode. When we did the Shiverpool tour, we ended in the Anglican Cathedral. Oh, which yeah. has its own cemetery. And it's got like a tunnel with like yeah, graves on it as well. It's really it? it's St Paul's Cemetery. So it's oh, so sorry St Paul St James's Cemetery, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah. St James's Cemetery. Um, I've read a few stories, especially in the Haunted Liverpool books. Well, I just mention them briefly. I won't go into detail what they're about. But apparently, there is a crypt in there that was. Um, just Ginny Green too. I'm not too sure. I think this was a vampire one. Uh, so it was believed that one of the people buried in there was a vampire. Yeah. And they actually did like a sort of ritual, you know, put a stake in through holy water, garlic and all over it, that kind of thing. I believe it was in the six, 1960s. Oh, God. Um, I don't know what spate of events happened. Okay. I'll find out one day and I'll, I'll relay the full story. When we do another vampire episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, Emma went in the loft the other day and found a huge book that the microphone's currently stood on called The Element Encyclopedia of Vampires by Teresa Chung. It's A to Z. Of, of the undead. Yeah. <laughs> so, we will be doing another vampires episode at some point probably. But on touching back on St. James's Cemetery... Apparently, there's also a colony of fairies there. Yeah, so I think, I can't really remember Ginny Greentee, but I'm sure she's like a fairy. I'll have to read it again. Yeah, so these fairies are are supposedly really... Are they bad? No, as bad as you are to them. That kind of thing. Yeah. Which is from most fairy stories is what I've gathered. There's also meant to be fairies somewhere by Rice Lane Farm. Is there? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about their fairies in another episode. Oh my god, yes. So all we do is say, we'll, we'll do this in another episode, we'll do that in another episode. So you'll just have to keep listening? <laughs> well, fucking else. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, but it's really interesting. If you Google St. James's Cemetery, um, which is by the Anglican Cathedral, or on the grounds of the Anglican Cathedral in Liverpool, it's sort of sunken into the ground, yeah. which is it's really weird. So I think the site was like excavated for the whole... Cathedral, yeah. or for the ce- or around the cemetery, and then it's it it must be like 20, 30 feet below 
the road next to it. Yeah, yeah, because so you yeah, can stand yeah. on the pavement of the road and look about twenty or thirty feet down to yeah. your to the side, and you're looking down on a cemetery, but right next to a huge cathedral, which is a really nice building. See, like touching on that, I think it was your third theory. Um, the money making one. Yeah, well, the Shiverpool one. There's like a tunnel that's got like graves along the. It's not like a tunnel, tunnel, but it's like. Like it's a under walkway. a walkway, yeah. Um, they asked us to like walk through it, and they were like, "Ooh!" So that's another thing you're going to be scared because you think something's going to jump out at you. You're not even a ghost. You think like one of the yeah. actors is going to jump out at you. <laughs> when we went to do it, we walked out. So there's two tour guides who were like actors dressed in costume, yeah. like uh, late 1800s. And got, like, all makeup yeah, and, and they're being really theatrical, yeah. telling stories. Really good. But then there was a guy walking his dog in the cemetery, oh, yeah. so he was walking the opposite way through the tunnel, and we're all shit now. So I was going, fucking hell, is he part of it? Is he a ghost? Is he yeah. a part of it? And it was just a fella walking past, looking at us, going, you fucking gang of knobheads, what are you doing? Weird little goths. <laughs> There's also a one um, in a crypt, I can't remember, in like that's a, a di- That's a different one. Also a gentleman named Mackenzie. Yeah, and he uh, sold his soul to the devil or something, because he was a gambler. Yeah, so this guy... Which is really strange. This is on the grounds of John Moore's University. Yeah, yeah. Or ne- right next it's to it. It's on Mount Pleasant, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Rodney Street. Yeah. So this was a big... Uh, it, was a, it wasn't a church. I want to say it was like a crypt, but it wasn't a... It, the whole building itself wasn't like where you laid, laid bodies to rest. Yeah, it yeah. did have a small cemetery to the side, which is still there to this day. Yeah. But they've now turned that... Flats or something, yeah, it? it's student flats. Yeah, one of the guys I went to student yeah, One of the guys I went to uni with is what lived in there. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, so I have been in there once. It's been flat. It's, it's is it nice. Strange. Yeah, but with the nicest student flats go. That would be haunted as fuck. Yeah, but right next to it is basically this pyramid, this small yeah, yeah. pyramid. And just to touch on the story briefly, it's quite well known through Liverpool. The guy was called Mackenzie. I can't remember his first name. Will Mackenzie, maybe. I think it that was rings Will a bell. Mackenzie. Yeah. Will Mackenzie. Was Will Mackenzie the one off the in between us? Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> well, this guy's name was Mackenzie. Um, he was a, a successful businessman. He rose up. It was like the the nineteen twenties, maybe earlier. I believe maybe eighteen twenties. I could be getting confused. Anyway, successful businessman had a bit of a gambling problem though. So he ended up losing a lot of money in car games. Yeah, yeah. He got into debt over it. It wasn't going well. And he ended up playing cards one day with a mysterious person that came to the city. Yeah. Wasn't well known, but was obviously very well off. Mm -hmm. During the night of playing cards, it got to the point where Mackenzie was losing a lot of money. He couldn't, he didn't have anything else to put on the table to bet. So the guy he was playing cards with said, well... You could bet your soul. At which point, Mackenzie was a bit confused, but being a bit intoxicated, having a gambling problem, he thought he saw an opportunity to play another hand of cards free of charge. So they played, and inevitably he lost. Of course. God. You sound like an unenthused mother. No, I I am. I am. I like this story. I love it. I, I am interested. I'm just like, I'm thinking. I've got a question for you in a minute. So... At the end of the game, obviously he's lost his soul, but thinks he's lost nothing in that round. Yeah. The guy, the mysterious stranger, well-off stranger, stands up, leaves, no question. Yeah. It's only later on that he hears rumours and whispers from, from other people that that person 
was actually an incarnation of the devil. Aww. So he's lost his soul in soul. a game soul. <laughs> he's lost his soul in a game of cards to the devil. So <laughs> to combat this, when Mackenzie dies, which is many years later, he does live his full life. Yeah. But many years later, when he does die, he gets buried, sat upright at a table with a winning hand of cards. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I've probably been told that, but I didn't know. So. The story goes, he's in this this small pyramid, which is probably about high enough for somebody to be sat up is inside that why? it. And apparently he sat at a table inside there. I imagine he's decayed away now, but he just sat at a table yeah. inside there, at a table with a winning hand of cards. Oh my god. So that when the devil comes to, to take his soul, yeah. he has a winning kind of hand of cards. Oh my god. His last last chance saloon to try and Keep his soul and, and rest in peace. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But that's lovely. Well, it's not it's lovely. Not. <laughs> but it's, it's lovely that they're like trying to trick the devil. But what I was going to say, would you sell your soul? No. Not even like for a season ticket? No. <laughs> I wouldn't sell my soul. But if I, like, if I was close to dying and I knew that, like, all my family and my ancestors and everyone was going to be like well looked after after I passed away. Probably would sell my soul there. So you don't believe in the afterlife? I don't believe in hell. I don't believe that there's God and a devil. I think you go somewhere and you do stuff. Yeah, you, you'll be like you. There is an afterlife, but I don't think that there would be a place for you to torment because i think that's like the earth is like your torment really because you lose that yeah. many people do you See, know what i mean i was about to touch on it i think this may be one of the elements of maybe not something we've done in a past life but maybe something maybe a test yeah this is a test to see what we where we should be yeah but i don't i don't think that there's like a hell or a heaven really i think we'll all just we'll all do the same like we'll all go to the same place and then we'll just maybe get a different hand to other people so like say if you've been like a good person then you'll be rewarded but mm. then in the afterlife I think maybe you'll just you'll be stuck in like a limbo I don't think you'll be like a hell I don't think the devil's gonna like make you do all these chores and it's gonna be like this boiling hot place but yeah I can't do any more chores, can I? I get up so early. Oh, he gets up so early, <laughs> feeds the cat, oh, he spills coffee on the carpet. <laughs> I don't spill coffee on the carpet. He's threatened to. <laughs> That's if the, the ghosts try and get me. <laughs> so, that, I think, comes to a conclusion for on our episode of Cemeteries. Yeah, we did link, we did touch upon other things as well. We did touch upon other things, but they were very relevant, and I think we got a bit deep with theories at some point, but yeah. it's... Hopefully interesting to hear. We love that shit. <laughs> yeah. So, if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. It would massively help us out. You can get in touch with us on our social network platforms. We are on Twitter at AXSymmetry, TikTok at AXSymmetry, and Instagram at Across the Cemetery. We don't have Facebook. We probably won't. Um, um, I, I was going to say fuck Mark Zuckerberg, but he owns everything else now anyway. Yeah. So, that's <laughs> a bit pointless. Fuck Elon Musk Twitter. Well, yeah. Twitter's not, down, not, not for long, I don't think. <laughs> um, you can also email us at acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. We'd love it as well if you could email or DM or 
I don't know what it's called on Instagram. I on TikTok. If you could email us our stories one day, because I would like to do in February. I've got an idea for an episode that Josh isn't going to be involved in because that's his birthday month. Yeah, obviously, I don't do any work in February at all because I have one day of birthdays. Yeah. So, if you could email me some stories, that would be great. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. What about these purportedly peaceful places? Ooh, mm-hmm. on a mat of hair. I wonder, yeah, I wonder to say that. <laughs> purportedly peaceful places. If you can't say it, I'm not saying it. I just said it, say it. P- what? Purportedly peaceful places. Purportedly. Purportedly. Purportedly peaceful places. You just said it. So what about these? Do you want the tea? Um, we've got that fish in the fridge, my sweet Thirty minutes. Are you gonna make it? Like, I need a shower, mate. <laughs> Why don't you do it? Cause you do all the chores. I made tea yesterday. I need lunch today. I made tea Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was all just fucking potatoes. <laughs> you just got an air fryer. You just got an air fryer. I was trying to learn the best way to make roast potatoes. <laughs> um. Okay, we'll have a domestic offer. <laughs>